1: Welcome to this podcast. This is episode 53. My name is Timitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We also have Jonathan Kuline on the line in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. All righty then. So, did you say how's it going, Jaime? <laughs> I did. if you feeling, feeling a bit better this week, are you?
2: I am. It, it's still... Old. Hanging on this this illness, whatever it is, but it's just more congestion at this point.
1: Yeah, we I don't know, there's a weird cold I mean I had a cold a couple of months ago and it just like didn't seem to go away for like for a long time, right? So just some weirdness. All right, let's do the fact check. Fact check. So uh, the T V show that I was talking about last week that I couldn't remember the name of and I said it was sort of like, you know, Civil War like kind of like America went into it. I should have realized it was called Revolution. Duh. Um and what was interesting about that though was was there was uh it was two seasons, I think. And they actually, there actually was a pocket of energies around. There was some sort of mystical, you know, midichlorian kind of collection that, that sometimes would power things. And because uh, I remember one one episode, uh, the lady was able to power up her her uh, iPhone 4 and look at her kids' pictures again, right? Um, so yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a weird show, but it kind of went you know typical um, you know somebody's running the government kind of thing, and you know there's there's yeah the under underbelly of American democracy that you know kind of invades a lot of American science fiction. I hate to say it, but uh, yeah. So I, I not surprised that it got canceled, but it had an origin. The idea was a, was interesting from the beginning. There was sort of a, some mysteries and stuff like that. Some you know missing pieces that need to be figured out, and it did have a chance to make sense. But yeah, I think se- season two they it, pretty much. And, and nobody cared. Jaime, uh, get some another point
2: here? The fact check? Yeah, a couple of items that I noticed from listening to... Last week's show, uh, I said at some point, related to being at the Oscars, Have you heard that part about us uh, talking about being on the list, the officially recognized list by somebody of Star Trek-related podcasts. And I said, goggles, in reference to, you know, hey, we can see, you know, put on your goggles and we can see Brad Pitt down at the very bottom. Like, at least we're in the same room, big hall. What I meant was binoculars. Or opera glasses. Opera glasses would have worked too, but probably not
3: goggles.
1: (laughs) Well, surprisingly, I knew what you meant. That's, That's the strange thing. So,
3: That's that we, uh, that inner knowledge of each other that only comes with time, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. And what's your next
1: uh, fact check?
2: This isn't so terrible. Hold I surely must have meant to make the pun at this point, at some point, about how Dodge is not very good at dodging, um, right? <laughs> We had an audio production crew. We'd probably have the uh, the drums rim shot at the moment.
1: <laughs> I don't bump, yeah. Uh,
2: and the last one that sort of came to mind, uh, re-watching some stuff, was realizing why do the the modern Star Trek writers always choose Seattle as the hometown of characters who are, quote-unquote, not what they seem? So mm. Dodge, also supposed to be from Seattle, as well as, uh, I guess, spoilers at this point for the first season of Discovery if you haven't seen it, um, Ash Tyler, folk Tyler supposedly from the seattle area but wait Voke is not human yeah but the, the ash tyler either original person oh, or the this, persona the, that was oh, layered on top was from seattle and i think we commented on the fact that he got called out on that one for not being actually from seattle he's from a nearby neighborhood called, or suburb called issaquah oh, okay all right only you would know that yeah yeah <laughs> but i was like wait a minute why are all the fake people from seattle what's going on here I don't know.
1: Microsoft, I don't know. Um, all right. Uh, so and My fact check here is the necklace we were talking about last week. The symbol is of a fractal neuronic cloning, which is who knows what that is, but that's what they, they, they talked about in terms of why these people are twins. And uh, off to you, Jonathan.
3: Uh, yep. Just two uh, other little things. So um, we were talking about The Expanse and you were asking uh, if that, uh, where that ended up. And I just wanted to confirm it is on Amazon Prime. That's where the fourth season ended up and uh, that premiered uh, about six weeks ago. So, anybody's looking for the expanse Amazon prime video. Yeah. I'll have to go ahead and catch up on that. And the, uh, the last bit was, uh, we were trying to figure out which seasons, uh, we were talking about Jody Whittaker coming back for a third season uh, as, uh, the doctor on doctor who, and we were trying to figure out who, how many seasons each of the other doctors had done. So, uh, David Eccleston did, uh, the first season of the rebooted, uh, doctor who David Tennant was doctor who for three seasons, uh, then followed by Matt Smith for three and Peter called for three. So three seems to be the sort of, uh, uh, standard amount at this point, uh, with the exception of obviously the first doctor who was not enjoying his doctoring experience.
1: They do also do the Christmas specials or the new year's specials, I guess, as well. And they kind of like, yeah. cause that kind of muddies the water in terms of how long these guys are on.
3: Well, wow. and, so, and tenants and uh, a tenant came back for the uh, day of the doctor. And right. So yeah, there's been like crossovers and stuff. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a famous, I remember seeing this famous one from the mid eighties where um, Tom Baker and John Pertwee and, and two other, three other doctors came together for one big, you know, mashup. And I can't remember with who the, they, they went some island or something like or some planet together and they kind of all went to solve the problem. And I think the, you know, the arch enemy might have been like the master or somebody or, or Daleks or something like that. But there was a big, you know, giant, you know, mega show and all the Whovians were, you know, all excited about that one. I remember watching that one for sure. But so it's, it's not uncommon for them to sort of mix up doctors, um, in, in the canon of Doctor Who, right? So. Yeah.
3: And we'll have a little uh, more Doctor Who to. To come later in this episode
1: sure if we remember we'll we make a note to talk about it yeah all right all right let's get into the headlines jonathan
3: headlines uh okay so uh, uh not long after our last episode the uh, news came out of england that uh the disney plus obi-wan kenobi show uh has been put on hold apparently uh, there was uh some issues with the script they felt like it was a little bit too similar to the mandalorian apparently because the original concept was one i think we we were all kind of expecting, which is Obi-Wan Kenobi in the desert looking out for Little Luke. And that rings a little bit true for some of the storylines of, of Mandalorian. So they have temporarily halted uh, production on that until they can get a, a new person writing scripts that are a little more uh, fresh. So let's take a sidebar for a minute and talk about The Mandalorians. So I
1: don't we know that we have really talked about that show too much here. Like well, now that it's Mr. Lopez on?
3: may or may not have watched it yet. I have, have not watched, watched it, it, so talking oh, about it in a very general Terms would
2: be ideal. <laughs> well, you know the memes that are out there, right? Yeah, those are unavoidable. Um, okay, so those are unavoidable. So, so certain shots, I definitely know about. Um, I'm aware that it seems to be like a cowboy western in space, which mm-hmm. definitely fits pretty well for the, yeah. the material. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and do you know about one of the main characters of the show that everybody's like up and like excited about?
2: Like from a merchandising opportunity standpoint? <laughs> yes. Yes. yes,
1: yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, Jonathan, just Oh, I mean, just stand over there for a minute. <laughs> so everybody's calling this, this character Baby Yoda, but this is clearly not in the timeline. This this is of Yoda's species, but not Yoda
3: per se, right? It is. Okay. So there's there's a few speculative things out there as to what this being might be. Did Yoda
1: um, lose a fingernail and this guy grew up out of it? Or well,
3: what? so that's that's one of the thoughts is because uh, prior to uh, Anakin coming along, uh, they established Establish in one of the previous movies that Yoda has the highest count of chlorians, So perhaps uh, someone along the way was trying to, you know, uh, encourage, you know, another Yoda type uh, being so that they could, you know turn it to the dark side or who knows what um th- again not to spoil anything for Jaime but there is a, just an offhanded reference and it's not a huge spoiler but um there's an offhanded reference at one point in one of the last couple of episodes of Mandalorian uh season one uh one of them says uh, one of the characters says um he doesn't appear to be a clone like basically basically Flat- oh, okay puts it out there that that he doesn't appear to be a clone so because that was a lot of people's speculation was it's either one of Yoda's species it is a clone of Yoda or it is uh you know perhaps a child or you know uh, whatever. Um, But they've dismissed Clone now because they did actually explicitly say that on the show. So that leaves he's just a member of that same race or uh, perhaps he's a a relative of kind.
1: Right. Right. Well because
3: everybody's related in Star Wars right? Well yeah. Yeah. do do you want to release the Kraken? Is that what you're trying to do? (laughs) No. no, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean that seems to be the convenient plot point that they wrap it up with a bow. Oh let's make him related to
3: to, yeah, what's, know, what's the line again, Jaime from uh, Spaceballs?
2: Your brothers, your your mother's brothers, sisters, fathers, roommates, or something. <laughs> I'd have yeah. to find the exact quote, but it's something nonsensical yeah. like that. It's pretty bang on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I got to say, my favorite scene in the movie of, of Spaceballs is where they're watching Spaceballs on the thing, and yeah. like, "We're watching
3: Spaceballs. Now, now is now. No making is Now is now. Now is right now. Now is then. Oh, that just happened. That was now. Uh, okay, yeah. so let's. Uh, hey, speaking of Rise of Skywalker, would you like another? reason to hate rise of skywalker sure go ahead release the kraken <laughs> so uh the news came out uh after the the movie that they killed another character from return of the jedi off camera uh, oh, really? they have confirmed they being um the author of the uh rise of skywalker expanded edition book uh, ray carson confirmed that mean num who is the co-pilot uh in return of the jedi with lando calrissi in, flies lightning oh, yeah, yeah. okay uh apparently Ray Carson has confirmed that that character died in the uh, lightning attack by palpatine that his ship was struck by lightning fell and didn't pull up and die and he died um so as as ignominious as the death of Admiral Akbar was in last Jedi where they were like hey look Akbar's Akbar's back and then they blew him out of the sky and he flew off into space and that was it for him without even get to utter his famous line uh yeah they killed this character who again was like another little like oh i know that guy kind of moment fan servicey kind of thing but then they killed him off camera so come on movie
1: yeah and well and they also there was that character that was in force awakens that they even made a figure for and then he got cut out of he's in the trailer yeah. but i think he got cut out of the movie right?
3: yeah 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 so that was a weird one i don't know why i don't know why if you're going to go to the effort of bringing that character back then at least if you're going to kill him make it an impactful moment for people who would be like damn they just killed that guy strange mm. strange choice maybe yeah. he'll be he'll be in the bonus cuts you'll get to see knee-numb screaming to death as he burns under the electrical fingertips of the the Emperor. Uh, Speaking of untimely demises, uh, Mm -hmm. Howard the Duck was scheduled to be a Hulu series, a Hulu animated series, uh, that was going to be produced uh, or written by Kevin Smith, uh, one of our favorite directors, Uh, and it has been canned, shot down, as it were. Um, Mm -hmm. They've also cancelled a planned Tigra and Dazzler team-up series. Um, now, there's uh, we've talked about it, I think, previously, the the folks at uh, Marvel TV. Marvel TV is sort of changing over a little bit as it migrates uh, more to Disney Plus and away from being on uh, ABC and Hulu and Freeform and some of the other things. Um, it seems like a lot of those shows are sort of wrapping things up. And uh, I guess in the casualties of this maneuvering in the Marvel TV universe, we've lost two possible shows. A little disappointed about the Howard the Duck one. I, as you know, I'm. Howard the Duck fan. Mm-hmm. I do have my mm-hmm. my Howard the Duck uh, movie fandom as I stand alone in the corner screaming loudly. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Kevin's have all been, you know, again, I like him. I think he's got a funny sense of humor. I think it would have been interesting to see what he did with that character. So, kind of a bummer. Great.
1: We are going to see Kevin Smith on Saturday. We are
3: two, two, we two are. days away from going to go see Kevin live. Yep. Mm-hmm. He sleeps away. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of characters that are now uh, gone, this is like really disappointing headlines so far. I know. Sorry. I'll try and turn it around towards the end here. Uh, so, the 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 Hollywood Reporter had an interview with Linda Hamilton, who, uh, of course, was uh, famously back in her role, uh, the role that made her most famous as uh, Sarah Connor in Terminator Dark Fate this fall. Uh, She did an interview with the Hollywood Reporter and said that she would, quote, be quite happy to never return to Terminator again. As far as she's concerned, she's done. Um, Now, not, I guess, terribly surprising. The movie was a disappointment, uh, although I think, I don't know, Tim, you tell me what you think. I I thought it was decent. Not not the best, it blew up real good, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, there was Some some quiet moment. I had to take a break in the middle of the movie, but yeah. that was, uh, it wasn't horrible.
3: It was certainly the best, I would say, since Terminator 2, um, True. but not even close to that caliber, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so apparently uh, this, it was intended that she would be back in this role and, um, as spoilers: she does make it in one piece through the film. Uh, so there was speculation that she would come back and she would, uh, if they wanted to continue the franchise, she would be a part of that. Uh, she said, no, she feels like she's she's done it, she tried it, and she's done doing it. So. Well, maybe Lena will come back. Yeah, I, I, I'm down with that. I think she's a great... <laughs> she's a great now she's uh, done
1: with Cersei, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Uh, another story that uh, you guys might have some thoughts on. So, apparently, uh, Apple and Netflix are both eyeing methods to expand their back catalog of their, uh, their films for their services, as uh, all of the streaming services get more and more compartmentalized. And apparently one of the ways that they are doing that is both are kicking the tires on buying the assets from MGM. Um, now, this would provide them with a pretty deep back catalog of movies. Obviously, MGM, a, a very uh, long running uh, film production studio, uh, including, of course, uh, James Bond's movies and 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 uh, lots of other famous ones. So um, it could be a nice little boost for, uh, for obviously Netflix is losing some of its uh, ability to have you know Hollywood movies as you know things like uh, NBC's Peacock and HBO and um, you know Hulu and all these other services are sort of to sort of migrate their own and Disney plus of course trying to migrate their own talent uh, and their own assets together um, could be a nice boost for whichever one lands it um, what do you guys think about the possibility of one of those guys ending up with that huge catalog I think it, yeah I think to me it would make a lot
2: of sense because um, we've actually talked a little bit about this topic. Vaguely on uh, more than just code, but uh, the hypothesis here is like, you know, Apple gave out a year of Apple TV Plus for free uh, if you, you know, if you bought new devices um, with the idea being, look, nobody's going to pay $4.99 a month for like three shows, right? So give it to people for free.
1: Well, so technically there are six shows, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I mean,
2: okay, fair, fair. But it, it feels like a relative handful compared to what Netflix already has that it's built up over the years or what Disney Plus started with immediately because of the vast quantity of content that disney has available so it really doesn't weigh out too well for that but um if you give it for a year then you have time to build up a catalog i mean what's a better way of having a catalog than just acquiring a pretty good one i mean that seems yeah. like a sensible thing to do
3: well i mean there was discussion at one point uh within the last couple of years that you know, because apple was sitting on so much uh, liquid capital that if they really had their heart set on it that they might just buy netflix outright right yeah
1: they totally could yeah
3: um so i mean there, there is a a good argument to be made that if they want to you know, if they want to really just take their claim they just do that. Well, it's interesting,
1: they just had their, their quarterly numbers, which is what we were talking about on the other show yesterday, or the other day was, yeah, yesterday I guess, um, that services is like maybe 10 was it 10 or 15% of what Apple brought in last year? I, I, I was just going to wonder here as we were talking about this, how much Apple TV Plus is costing Apple, like how much in terms of making shows and all that kind of stuff, but it sounds to me like they're they're coming out you know in the black on this um and uh so i kind of wonder like again like they totally have fat stacks of cash as we like to say to be able to to afford to buy like a netflix or even mgm for that matter right you know what what does MGM? what would mgm give them like in terms of what what shows would come over from mgm i mean besides all the classic movies and stuff like that but uh yeah
3: i think it was the movie catalog that they're most interested in because movies is kind of one of the areas where um where both of them don't really have a lot of immediate pull. Now, obviously, Netflix is developing a lot of original movies, but they're losing a lot of their back catalog because, again, they, they were licensing all, a lot of the Disney movies. They were licensing a lot of uh, movies that are now going to end up, you know, because Warner Warner movies are going to end up on HBO because they're uh, affiliated, of course. Um, so, yeah. The other thing is that the, the MGM actually does produce television shows as well. So, they do produce um, Handmaid's Tale is, is theirs. Right, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Um, yeah. So, there's a few different you ones. Know, arts
1: that, and entertainment stuff.
3: Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so there's some good stuff in there and then again it's just it's it's a really deep catalog of of um, back catalog movies too like that's really where you get the wealth from that
1: yeah well, they're talking about the james bond franchise which would be a big one and yeah and again it's exclusive and, right yeah and then any stuff and also vh1 stuff apparently is, mm-hmm. is owned by mgm mm-hmm. yeah.
3: so i mean it seems like you know they're talking about it protected potentially being 10 billion dollars like it's not it's not obviously the assets that disney paid for fox um you know you're not getting quite that uh, caliber, but still a $10 billion deal. Um, I, and I do think there's a good case for both of them needing the shot in the arm that they would get from it, and both of them maybe being behind the eight ball a little bit if they don't.
1: Yeah, my favorite comment in this article is that, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase it, that representatives of Apple did not immediately return Gizmodo's request for comment. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Which I may should understand, right? There's a sore spot with between Apple and Gizmodo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep.
3: All right, uh, what's next? All right, uh, last one for me. So uh this one was a lot of fun last uh end of last week. The um the US Space Force. President Trump's US Space Force unveiled its logo. And uh it looks an awful lot like something that sci-fi fans would be familiar with. Um so let's let's paint a word picture here for the people who are uh, transporting at home. Oh my god. It it looks just maybe like a little bit like um uh, like an arrowhead with uh uh, like a swoosh around it um, mm-hmm. and a planet behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some words over the top and some words under the bottom. It I'm trying to nail down exactly what it looks like. You guys have any thoughts on, on what it might be similar to? Mm. Oh, that's right. It looks exactly like Starfleet command logo. I was going to
1: say that George Takai commented that they're expecting some royalties from this.
3: Yeah. Um Yeah. And, and uh, I think uh, the, the other notes, I don't know which one of you attached the note from John Noonan too. Um, but yeah, I mean, air, air Air Force Space Command and uh, United States Space Force. And uh, yeah, it is <laughs> it, it immediately caught the eye of a lot of people online who were like, wow, that's. Just so blatant a ripoff. Well, isn't the
1: United States? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We've talked about this on the show before, on more than just code. But isn't the United States? United States a federation of states?
2: Is yeah, I think it'd be considered that because so we refer to our <laughs> federal government, right? We don't have like yeah. a central command sort of exactly. Concept. Yeah,
1: like, and it could be in San Francisco instead of Washington
2: D.C., right? Yeah, yeah, on the, on the the West Coast, the best coast.
3: Well, <laughs> keep your eyes peeled for the announcement of the new first vessel that they christened for this uh, beloved space. Course, the Schmenter prize um. <laughs> what was the one
1: that Archer flew though that was the Enterprise wasn't it Enterprise no it wasn't, it wasn't it was what was Captain Pike's ship then it was there was a different name oh. I, I remember I read a book once about Kirk being an ensign on Archer's um, Archer's uh, ship, and it was called something else. I don't know if it was called the Enterprise per se,
3: Bargazer, mm-hmm. Farragut. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, Farragut. Maybe that might that sounds rings a bell. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Range. But it's funny, you know, like in in the book, um, the way they described um, Archer mm-hmm. didn't look anything like the guy who played him on the TV show. Like in my mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the guy from uh, what was that sci-fi show that he was Quantum on? Leap? Quantum Bakula. Leap. Scott Bakula. Scott yeah. Bakula. From faculty. Faculty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your recent, crusade, so is that the comment from I um, mean that we got put in there?
2: Yeah, because there was that person on Twitter who said, that, "Hey, actually, I had a similar symbol in the forces um, back in 2005," and people in the comments are saying that the U.S. Army Air Forces which was in the 40s prior to the separation of the Air Force as its own uh, division versus the Army. Apparently, they used something vaguely similar with a, a Delta. Um, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I I think everything seems roughly true here. That like, It may have uh, predated the Starfleet Command logo, but I think nobody was thinking about that heritage. If I had to guess, I think everybody was like, hey, this is a really cool thing. Yeah, it's cool because it looks very much like something that is top of mind in mainstream sort of consciousness.
1: All right. Last one. Well, this is
2: Jaime. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, this is a weird and kind of sad story here for those of you who have uh, been asked to choose your pain and you chose Linux as your pain. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Apparently CBS All Access on the Linux operating system will happily serve you the ads, but will not actually give you the content that you You actually nice. desire. And they dig into this in the article, and it looks like it's related to the um, Widevine cross platform DRM system that is not working mm. appropriately. Uh apparently it's only through CBS All Access's player itself where this is an issue. And people are talking about workarounds where if you go through Amazon and purchase CBS All Access as an additional channel through that system, you play the content through Amazon's video system and it plays just fine on Linux. Mm. So pro tip out there for anybody who who might have had this problem. Yeah interesting
1: we have a similar thing through through the Apple TV you can have your, your Crave app and you can watch crave here in Canada, to that's how I'm kind of watching the the show. But uh, yeah, I had to. I had a trouble getting it today because when I went to go and, and watch it, all of a sudden my Crave lost its its mind and didn't lost lost a connection to my account. I had to log back in, and you know, it was kind of painful. But anyway, odd. But I, I, as a, as an iOS developer, I'm really frustrated when an app loses my login credentials. You know, like from just because of an upgrade or something. This right? just it sounds so stupid to me. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. all right. So on to the main part of the show, which is talking about Star Trek Picard, episode season one, episode two, Maps and Legends. And uh, I think we agreed before the show that it would be my turn to do the recap. So I will get to my notes over here. So yeah, we've been calling uh, the character Asha, Asha, but it's actually her name is Soji Asha. Um, the show begins 14 years ago on U- Utopia Panitia, which I guess replays the, uh, intends to replay the, the, the first day con- first contact day uh, mass um, starts off with the guy calling these uh, synth- uh, synthetics out of the out of the closet that they, they live in as plastic people. So obviously there's a bit of a put down there. The humanoids are uh, are putting down these synthetics, and uh, you know, like there's a, one one uh, character in the room is a character named F8, and he is a, a sentient, and they're teasing him about his lack of humor. Um, like they ask him what's brown and sticky, and he doesn't know the answer to that. Um, so, uh, but in in the process of, of uh, these people have to work on first contact day because somebody has to, you know, st- stay and man the post, as it were, and uh, all of a sudden uh, F8 goes Manchurian candidate on them and uh, starts to um, compromise the uh, the computer systems. I, I assume he's the one that turns off the defense shields, um, which allows the is it the Romulans that attack uh, you, you know, Utopia Planitia. didn't really say that in this episode much. Um, yeah, so, and then then he uh, I, I, thanks to autocorrect it says distorts self, but I actually she wrote Disrupt Self, because after he's done shooting everybody in the room, he also shoots himself, which I don't get the point of that. Anywho, uh, then we flash forward to the current timeline, where Picard and Laris and Zaban, who are his two Romulan companions, are discussing, looking for evidence of of, uh, um, the twins on Earth. Um, And uh, Laris starts telling uh, Picard about the Tal Shiar, which which is a Romulan secret police, I guess, similar to the secret police, as you hear about in, in Eastern European countries, uh, who do nefarious things. And she said, but even worse than that is this Zvat Vash, which is a, uh, um, as uh, Zabin describes, something you tell kids like, uh, about, like, sort of a boogeyman, or it's another word for the dead in Romulan culture. Um, and one point that that uh, Laris makes is that, you know, pretty much everything in Romulan culture can be can be preceded with the word secret. So apparently, this this Zvat, vash it's kind of it's sort of the Voldemort of Romanian culture. They really don't discuss it outside of their own their own peoples, um, which comes into play a little bit later. Um, so in in sort of a flash forward/flashback kind of scene, Laris and Picard actually go to. Um, Dodge's apartment to see where where the um, where she says her boyfriend was killed and of course there's no evidence whatsoever it's like it's been scrubbed clean uh, metaphorically and and uh, actually um, and uh, so uh, uh, Lars takes out a, a scanner and starts to uh, to scan and Picard reminds her that uh, Romulan forensic reconstruction is illegal in the Federation she says oh really I didn't know that and then uh, he starts. she starts to scan the room and he's reminding her that it's unreliable and, and he's, she says, "Good. That's what we want you to think, right?" Um, and uh, so, yeah, they they scan the room and they find that absolutely like it's almost like the room has been scrubbed clean. And then, uh, like like in sort of how, how um, those of us in the in the IT world would know, you know, if you want to hide something on a drive, you overwrite it with other data, and that's what they had done to try and mask uh, to mask this stuff. And so they flash back to the room where where the original conversation is happening, and um, uh, Lars tells Picard that. That the uh Zvat Vash have a deep unassuageable loathing of synthetics and they just you know so they have there's no uh concept of any sort of artificial life forms or or entities no ai even their computers are numeric they don't they don't uh, there's nothing you know artificial in any sense in roman culture that's sort of something that they seem to be against but this these uh, Zvatvash uh, peoples are like extremely um uh, against any kind of artificial life, right? So, um, and she doesn't know why they, they hate uh, artificial life, but they do. Um, so, coming back to the apartment, uh, they flash back to that scene there, and they're checking out. They go to the, her desk and they they find um, some sort of communication device which logs her her uh, I guess her phone calls, for lack of a better word. Isn't that her um, Newton? Didn't they find her Newton? Yeah, her new. It was her, I think it was her uh, her uh, Palm Pilot actually. Right, that's it. Yeah. So so uh, they start scrubbing through the records of that, and you know, it's got the whole minority report. Like, you know, everything everything in the future seems to be these invisible screens that just sort of project themselves into into real space holographically and you interact with them. Anywho, uh, Lars is going through the records and she sort of says, yeah, they've even gone through and they've, they've scrubbed all these things clean. Uh, so it's really, there's no index. There's no way to sort of sort through them. They, I guess the Sherlock has been turned off on the on the the, the data so they can't search through it. But she says that, uh, you know, she asks, inquires about the fact that they're twins and she says, well, maybe the computer um her her house computer kind of mistook her sister for uh her and um um she makes a point that computers you know use heur- heuristics to sort of keep track of things and it would have recorded that it made the mistake of recon- of of um, thinking that the sister incoming call was was her, so they actually do find uh, a couple of messages coming from the sister, and turns out that they he sort of said, where where is she? Where in the world is she? And where in the world is Carmen Santiago? And of course, um, uh, Laris tells uh, Picard that the messages are coming from through subspace channels, which means she's not on the on the Earth at all. So she's calling from off world somewhere. Um, and then we then the the, the storyline flips over to the the Borg cube, which we left last week, where they. They're, uh, the Romulans seem to be uh, reconstructing, or, re- or I forget where they... Uh, there's a term for it, it'll come back to me when I get to my note here. But, uh, and so Narek and, and Soji are discussing um, after they've had their... tryst. of course, uh, they're discussing how the, the uh, cube is being... Um, has been severed from the collective, cause, and sort of how the, how the... you know, he's... there's a concern obviously that the Borg will just come back to life and connect up, and uh, she tells him that... Uh, you know it's kind of they've been severed from the collective so there's no chance of that and so they're they're going through and they you know there are some borg on the ship and there but they've been they've been isolated so it's like a graveyard to the borg so they're they're kind of cool to do this and um so in their in their you know they're they're uh, getting to know each other kind of phase uh, she starts to ask him questions about you know about himself and and who he is and um he basically tells her at the some of it is a tldr she says i'm a i'm a private person and uh, and then he says to her can you keep his Secret. She says, "Yes, of course I can." He says, "So can I." So he doesn't tell her who he who he is. And of course, you know, dun dun dun. We all that's sort of laying a trap for us in watching the show to realize, okay, maybe there's more. There's you know something's afoot here, um, which I'm sure probably rang all kinds of bells in Jonathan's head there as he's watching the show anyway um, he wants to watch her work and, and she sort of says well you'll need permission to do that and he kind of reminds he says to her I don't but actually before we get to that part uh, we flash back to Picard who's trying to get a certificate of interstellar service or, or to be uh, claimed to be fit to travel uh, in space and uh, an old friend of his dr. Benillion, comes to visit after um, getting his medical uh, records or whatever together and comes and personally tells him that you you know you're not actually fit to travel you've got this issue with your brain and, you know, which, you know, throws you into fights of of, uh, rage and flights of rage and, and, uh, you know, you could have trouble with, you know, with memory and things like that. And he makes a point to the fact that, like, you know, blowing up on a national broadcast of of an interview, you know, that's not the first time we hear this in the show, but uh, that, uh, you know, he shows that as an example of of what could be happening to uh, Picard's degrading health. Um, Picard then goes to Starfleet and, you know, you know, checks in at the front door and, uh, and guy, nobody recognizes him kind of thing or the young kid at the, the Millennial or the Gen Z mm-hmm. at the front door doesn't recognize him. And uh, so he has an appointment with this uh, Admiral Cl- uh, Christian Kirsten Clancy um, and uh, he says, you know, he starts to tell about, you know, how Bruce Maddox is possibly using neurons from data to make, you know, some more synthetics and the Romians are involved and we, I, we have an obligation to go and, you know, figure out what's going on and, you know, I, so, you know, give me a, a warp... Uh, uh, I want to go on one mission with a warp-capable ship, and, you know, I'll, I'll even be demoted to captain if you like. And she just looks at him and says, you, you know, what sheer bleep bleep cubris. Um Interesting that they swear on this show, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, Twice you know, in the same episode, times, yeah. A couple of times, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and sort of the Romulans were enemies, and you tried to help them, and everybody on the Federation said no, and, you, and she just sort of called it the, this whole idea of his story. And again, it comes back to what I was saying last week about, you know, maybe this is a setup for Picard. Um, these, you know, the pitiful. She calls it the pitiful delusions of an old man, right? So um, that kind of ends that season scene there, and he has to sort of go back and lick his wounds. But um, meanwhile, we go back to the Borg cube, and Sijo uh, has uh, met a newbie and helps her out with uh, with you know getting ready, and they got these sort of badges that we have to, have to put on, just gray and. Uh, the instructions are explained to them that um, they're, it's gray, as long as it remains gray you're cool but if it starts blinking green you better run out of there get out of there as fast as you can by the way I don't know if you guys noticed it was a sign um, that said 5,843 5, days since the last accident
3: no it says since the last assimilation the last, oh last assimilation Okay. Well, so if you <laughs> do the math
1: on that in earth years that's 15 years which is kind of yeah. around the same time it was 14 years ago that, that the uh, planitia thing happened so I'm trying remember, was there a Borg ship that was taken down in one of the movies, or maybe First Contact or something? Um, I don't, it, it,
3: it seems like it's in Romulan control, so it's, and and just, they make a point of saying that that um, Soji's nowhere near Earth, so right. logically no.
1: Yeah, I was kind of wondering too, because I even went and looked at the, the amount of, you know, solar days in in, uh, in Mars. Uh, it's in the 600s, it's nowhere near like 365 like we are here. So I was kind of wondering why they, that particular number I tried to make an association, and being a humanoid, I would, you know, naturally Use 365 as my my uh, my div- divisor, right? Um, reclaiming the Borg is what they're doing. This is the word I was looking for earlier in my description. Um, and uh, she sort of says to him. He says, "I'd like to like to come and watch you work, and I'd like to come and watch the process." And she says, "You can't. You know, you'd need approval of the director of the Borg rec- Reclamation, reclamation. Know, Project." <laughs> Anyway, uh, whatever, however you pronounce that word, um, yeah. So she, uh, she, uh, he says to her under his breath, no, I actually don't need her the permission." So I don't know, Does that mean he is the director of a Borg reclamation project, or he's cousins with the whatever? Anyway, um, oh, actually, maybe it's his sister. We'll come back to that later. Um, Alison Pill, forgotten her name, Doctor. What's her name? Doctor no. Gerardi. Okay. Gerardi. Thank you. Doctor Gerardi comes to visit Picard and give her some, give him some more information. And surprise, surprise, she likes Earl Grey tea. Um, she gives him. Some information about Daj uh, Asha um, that y- y- you know she checked out her her, uh, her her metadata. Basically, she was enrolled in Daystrom Academy. She had great marks, whatever, wherever she went. But it seems to be that her identity was invented three years ago, so maybe she's only three years old. But um, there's no record that she attended some R3SA, whatever that is, and that. Uh, um, and interestingly, they don't really talk about it, but she kind of air- opens her little fo- her PDA there, and she air. Drops him something or other. She just sort of says, "Here you go." In a sort of passing math- method. I don't know if you guys even caught that. Um, but yeah, so she's obviously giving him some information. Um, yeah, and let uh, me come back to the, the main ship again—the board ship—and the, ship, uh, the doctor receives a surgery of, of removing the, the Borg implants from from a, I, I think, a deceased person uh, on the uh, on the ship. And uh, the Romulan doctor calls uh, them the Nameless, and uh, and uh, Asha kind of asks her uh, why. Why you do that? And she as after they've removed all of the implants from the guy, she walks over to him and I said, I think in Romulan she says, You are free, my friend. Um in in uh in that part there. So and then we come back to Picard back on his on his uh on um Chais Picard, uh, what do we call it? Chateau Picard? Chateau Picard. Uh, sorry? Yes, Chateau Picard. Chateau Picard, yes, not Shaz Picard. Um <clears throat> which is probably just as valid a nomenclature. Anyway, um he puts on a combadge, a Star Trek a Starfleet Combadge and, and calls Raffi, uh, leaves a voicemail and talks to Raffi, asks, asks whoever Raffi is not to hang up and I need a ship, kind of thing, right? Um, so, uh, then we find out uh, this new character named Comm- Commodore O, um, who is a Romulan, um, high-ranking Romulan in the Federation, um, who gets a call from Clancy, who Picard went to visit earlier, um, and Clancy sort of tells her some of the details of what happened, um, uh, but we find out a little bit later in the next conversation that, um, uh, Commodore O knows more about what happened in the in the conversation than what uh, Clancy even tells her. Uh, she calls the character named uh, Lieutenant Rizzo to come and see her. So we have to wait for a bit to see who that is. Flashback to, to the chateau and uh, um, Lars, you know, throws down a tray of tea and um, claims that uh, Picard has dementia and, you know, because he's come up with a stupid idea to go into space and she refuses to have any part of it and she suggests the, the um, that maybe Zahan goes with her. With him and she say to take care of him and, and uh, take him with you," she says, and she stomps off and slams the door. Um, then we come back to Rizzo visiting uh, O, and uh, clearly there's a, a dynamic between the two of them. Not a lot is said, but you totally can infer what's going on um, <clears throat> because O, Commodore O, is telling uh, Rizzo that she 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 didn't cover up her tracks very uh, well enough because there, there are some you know visual clues that there was a disruptor fire going on. Um, so you didn't you kind of botched up that job. She said that uh, Commodore, Commodore O says that, you know, Picard did mentioned the, the zat, zat, Vash, even though Clancy didn't mention that part. And, uh, you know, O is like, oh, well, how do you know that? And she goes, don't underestimate me. Underestimate me. And um, uh, at one point she uh, um, Rizzo says, oh, that was unexpected. And, and Commodore O says, that's an, a dirty word in our line of work. So, in other words, you have to expect everything. And she claims that um, she doesn't mention that um, uh, Narek is, um, is uh, Rizzo's brother, but we find this out just in a few more minutes. And um, she claims that he's sloppy and uh, suggests that uh, Rizzo stay on mission. And uh, you know, if she has to deal with Picard, oh, Commodore will take care of him. Um, And she says, you know, you destroyed the thing before we could interrogate it. So obviously, uh, these these two characters here are on the side of people who don't like uh, artificial life forms. um, And she claims that there there better be no more surprises, and you better go off and manage this in person. So obviously, Rizzo is going to be sent off to the Borg ship to deal with. With uh, the thing, um, you know, and you know, you better not fail, the kind of thing. Um, there's a short little scene there where Raf, uh, Picard visits Raffy, and of course she's hostile and doesn't want to see him. Except, of course, he's brought a bottle of ni- a nice bottle of uh, the '86 wine that he's made, and so she's obviously going to help him out. Um, and then we find out with last scene of the of the episode, uh, Rizzo um, facetimes. Uh, what do we call it? Force times. Force times uh, yeah. Narek. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: sorry. Yeah, <laughs> force, time. force times.
1: Yeah. Yeah, four times. So he forced times Narek and, and like like uh, Saric did with with uh, um, Michael Burnham and uh, and um, Kylo Ren and uh, Ray did in in Star the Star Wars franchise. Um, and uh, yeah, basically the you know that uh, she questions. She says that Comm- Commodore O is not is distressed. she's not very happy with what's going on. And you better not screw up. And um, yeah, then we find out through the two of them that they're brother and sister, and that uh, Rizzo's had her ears cropped, so she looks more human than than uh, Romulan. Although she has got big ears i gotta gotta say and they're they're trying to figure out where the nest is where these you know this nest of uh, nasty synthetics is coming from and that's how the episode ends
3: dun, dun, dun. Yep. How'd do that was pretty pretty bang on yeah pretty pretty spot on there yeah uh a couple of things that i i caught that i would i'd like to throw in there sure um so they call the, the character in the opening scene, the, uh, synthetic who, uh, goes Manchurian and candidate yeah. he's F eight, um, which F8, of course yeah. fate, fate, oh. um, gotcha a you know, little, little, little wordplay there. Yeah. Um, when we do see him, he comes into the room in the first part and he's, you know, uh, acting very robotic, not very data, like very much more, um, artificial seeming and uh he is interacting with the other crew members uh in an alien or an alien but in a robotic way but not um out of i guess what they're used to and then he comes back into the room and you see his uh eyes sort of change like he's just uploaded a program or something
1: yeah there's a manchurian candidate part yeah
3: yeah so they, they sort of give you that visual cue that like something has just triggered in his mind uh, and that and then as you say he kills himself at the uh, or, or disintegrates himself at the end of that scene which of course immediately makes you think like well that's destroying the evidence right um, you know whoever whoever or whatever did that to him that turned him from um, somebody who was a, a awkward but clearly functional crew member to a killing machine who who rather rather spectacularly kills that uh, that crew um, clearly they want nothing left over so disintegration obviously gets rid of all the evidence. It's not just as simple as, you know, deactivating yourself or whatever else, right? So I'll be interested to see how that sort of... uh, There was a sense in my mind immediately went to the idea of that sort of, uh, yeah, computer virus uh, slash Borg assimilation kind of vibe um, when he sort of triggers like that. He kind of almost had that same thing that we have seen on previous Star Trek shows and movies um, where somebody who is normal becomes infected by the Borg and just turns into a killing machine. Right. 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 So um, interesting to see how that plays out. Um,
1: yeah. twists and turns in this, you think? I mean, obviously like, I mean, no surprise that Narek turns out to be a, a baddie, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, he had, uh, he seemed like a sketchy uh, character. Even in the first episode, he was a little sketchy. This one, he comes off as quite sketchy. Um Yeah. I mean, the, the conflict, I thought the scene that was really interesting was the one between um, uh, Clancy and Picard, the first one where right. he sort of comes in and says, I need a ship and a crew. And uh, yeah, pitiable delusions of a once great man. That's pretty harsh. And, you know, request denied. And you know, she really sort of shuts the door on him. And then, of course, that, that spills over into the conversation with Commodore O, where, you know, they sort of fill in the blanks a little bit and uh, and down into the conspiracy with O. Um, that, the line that uh, that Rizzo uses, she says, you need me to take care of Picard. Like, that's, that, that's yeah. some pretty dark stuff. Um, yeah, it, um, I, I wasn't entirely clear, like, was the impression supposed to be that Commodore O and um, Rizzo are clearly Romulan, or yes, was, they are. Yeah. Or yeah. was there because when when uh, Narek says makes the comment about Rizzo's ears, right? You've had them cropped down. Yeah. I got the impression what he was saying was is that you were trying to make yourself look more like a Vulcan and less like a Romulan. Well,
1: she looked more human
3: because she had rounded over ears, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what if that was like a cosmetic thing or her, if he was... her
1: eyebrows were were adjusted so they curved down instead of up, right?
3: Yeah. So I don't know if that. Was just supposed to be like you've groomed yourself like that, or you're actually trying to be like pretend you're something you aren't. I, I wasn't entirely well, we've seen this before that was- I mean,
1: we, with Volk and Ash, right? And, and I think in, in the original series, there was a lot of you know making Kirk look like a Romulan and vice mm-hmm. versa, right? And I think in no, oh, maybe I'm getting confused with uh or the Orville, but they something similar like that, right? Yeah,
2: well, you would have been right either way because I think the other one you're going to say is TNG has um counselor Troy gets made yeah. to look like a Romulan. Uh, oh,
1: right. Yeah.
2: And actually, that ends up happening to Picard in Data in Reunification when they go right. to Ron yes. to yes. go find Spock. And Riker, too. I totally forgot about that. But yes, Riker yeah. had the big forehead. You would totally look wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: There's also the the, um, the um, character that uh, in Nemesis, which we talked about last week, um, but he was supposed to be human. He was supposed to be a clone of Picard, right? Right.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Shinzon. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's an interesting thing to bring up because there's a couple different things that people have been asking about on the interwebs related to how this stuff ties into other star trek media so funny people were like yo so they they helped the romulans escape what about those remans though they just, they just let them die <laughs> why don't they get a shout out you know what's up with that um yeah and the other one was um narek the, the the british sexy romulan dude who ends up with uh dr Sojiasha. um he mentions in in the previous episode he'd mentioned his brother which people were wondering huh i i I wonder if timeline-wise that ends up working out that his brother was Nero, which would tie it even more into the Mm. Kelvin-verse and Mm. split in the timeline. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that will come up, but it is an interesting hypothesis. Nero being the guy who went after Spock in the first um, new Star Trek? right cuz uh, Narek mentions that he lost his brother which would kind of make oh. sense right like your brother just everybody's disappeared related. from his I
1: keep standpoint telling you guys
3: this right hmm? everybody's related i keep telling you this yeah. right no no that's the other star thing oh, oh the other star thing yeah yeah so the the part that i found interesting was the whole uh, the idea that um Daj is also her, her her backstory was obviously made up, and that she was, um, you know, the sort of fictionalized version of uh, a person. Um, but interesting that she had this whole sort of three year life away, but then theoretically she was going back to Daystrom, right? Like if she hadn't been attacked right. by the Romulans, she was going back to Daystrom, which theoretically would put her under the sort of quote unquote protection of, of Agnes Strati, right? Oh, okay. Was I, that so? But
1: Ag- Agnes Strati wasn't that Daystrom, was she? She was in yeah. Starfleet.
3: No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Dr. Okay. Dr. Girardi is, uh, well, that's Alison Pill's character. She's the one who's yeah, at Daystrom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it, it would have been like, maybe like Maddox, I don't know if Maddox put it in her that she was supposed to like, go out there and experience the world and then head back to where she True. came from or something. Well, replicants can only live for four years, as you know, right? So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she has to go back, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder what the sort of the process behind that, if she was sort of back to the mothership or if she was sort of out, you know, uh, gaining... Sort of experience undercover, and then was supposed to, you know, head back where she came from. Or yeah,
2: other thing that I thought was interesting uh, was uh, so we've known that uh, Riker and Troy are going to come back at some point during this uh, season, possibly in the next episode or two, I would guess, mm-hmm. just based on yeah. on the timeline. Um, but we now know canonically that Jordy LaForge and Worf are still alive.
1: Mm-hmm. And right? People, yes, they pe- mentioned
2: them in the show. Yeah, and people had yeah. kind of wondered a lot about LaForge because it was like, oh, um I think the the comic that came out in concert with this this series as a lead-in had said that LaForge forge was leading the utopia planitia fleet yards oh, really? work huh. and people were like so did, did he die off screen but what, what happened to him and and now we know that canonically he must be alive
1: yeah it's interesting that picard practically says we couldn't afford their contract in this show too right
2: <laughs> well and i also kind of it you know head canon in you know when um, they have that scene with the the medical doctor and and picard's trying to get his you know medical marrow want a license <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, prescription um you know they bring up the they, i don't think they ever state it directly but they bring up the parietal lobe problem and and sort of hint at the fact that he might end up with something like eromotic syndrome which is what was causing him to go uh, senile in all good things or at least mm-hmm. that's what uh, oh, really? okay. crusher
3: in that future timeline was saying that oh it's his eromotic syndrome that's what's causing him to become like senile or dementia well and he says that to the doctor at one point he says uh you know i've been made a Aware that this might be a thing. I think that was a reference to, to his knowledge of what had happened to him in that alternate uh, future.
1: Well, it also comes back to the idea that I had last week about this whole thing being some sort of ruse. To, I mean, you go after Picard because, you know, like like, like people do this all the time with senior citizens. They take advantage of them, like it, sell them cable services that they don't need and mm. you know, sell them vacuum cleaners that they can't afford. But um, it's kind of like, like it, it would be an easy mark for someone to sort of plant this on him and then have him run around, like, a, as maybe a ruse or, or a subterfuge uh, for some reason. Although we know that he's the star of the show and, you know, we're all supposed to be on his side and stuff like that. But, but you know, um, wouldn't it be, like, amazing if they could, like, run a five-year arc that, that actually this is all happening in Picard's head or something like that, you know? <laughs> that would be... Because nobody's seen these people. Only Picard's seen them, right? Other than Asher, um, Soji and, and uh, Narek. But, like, Picard didn't... I mean, Picard saw Dash, but well, I guess, no, I guess... Uh, no, no, no she was at that saw, or, place, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if this, I, I don't know. It's it's uh it, se- it seems like that would be a really long way to go to tell that kind of story. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but by the same token, though,
1: they're uh, the storytellers are safe in doing that because the people at, at Starfleet clearly don't believe Picard, right? He's mm-hmm. the crazy old guy now, right? Yeah. I think it was just and, their way. And he's this. turned on them by you know saying bad things about them in the press, right?
3: Yeah. It was just a, a very convenient way to uh, to sort of write around the fact that you know he doesn't have to call up uh, the very expensive cast members and uh and do that sort of yeah, starfleet yeah. way also again i think it's i mean they sort of make a point in the first episode that you know he feels like the federation and, and starfleet have lost their way and um you know that conversation he has with clancy i think really nails that home where he says you know the federation doesn't get to decide who you know whether a race lives or dies and she says damn right we do yeah,
2: yeah. um
3: you know that speaks to that there is a real you know there is a real sort of issue um, with the morality and the uh the decision making at the levels the highest levels of that uh, mm-hmm. organization which I you know um, so I think it's in one way she's like well you know we're not giving you a ship I think it also kind of absolves him of having to sort of get back into bed with them right right
2: yeah I, I also kind of felt like it ended up giving us some more flavor about uh, the reasonableness of uh, Starfleet's and the Federation's take on it so this is definitely something that people have been um, sort of debating online and one of the notes I have here is that the Admiral's says that 14 species wanted to leave the Federation unless right, Romulans right. were cut loose, mm-hmm. which uh, I'll, I'll give a partial captain Benjamin Sisko quote here of, uh, do you know what the trouble is? The trouble is earth on earth. there is no poverty, no crime, no war. You look out the window of Starfleet headquarters and you see paradise. It's easy to be a saint in paradise. And his whole point there, I think was like when stuff hits the fan, people act completely differently. And at this mm-hmm. point they had dealt with the, the dominion war, you know, maybe Borg incursions. And now they're they're given an opportunity to help their, their longtime enemy. And they, they seem to have struggled philosophically with it. Very similar to uh, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, where the uh, Federation helping the Klingons after Praxis blows up. And they got hit with the double whammy of this synthetic uh, uprising that killed a whole bunch of people and ended up hurting their ability to even have a fleet ready to roll. Uh, so between that sort of pressures and the, the pressures of you know this federation might start coming apart at the seams I'm not saying it was the right answer and clearly Picard is more of a uh, an optimist about maintaining composure even in those challenges but I could see where it'd be reasonable that a lot of people would say yeah maybe they can just deal with it themselves yeah Where
1: yeah. did the line about the the fact that like did we lose a lot of star Trek, Starfleet ships in some episode that, or some movie that I'm not thinking about Because, like why were they building all these ships in, in Utopia planitia
3: I think the idea was they were building those ships to help the evacuation oh of the romulans yeah because i think the idea is that because the synths attacked that left them really shorthanded and then because they were shorthanded they didn't want to use the rest of their ships on a mission that they thought was too risky and that was politically bad for them because if it all went wrong then they'd be wide open right gotcha hmm. so it was a it was a real domino the, the the fact that the the synths turned and attacked and destroyed all the ships started the dominoes falling towards the romulans being left high and dry and picard obviously uh ends up quitting Starfleet over it.
1: Right, right. Righto. All right. Overall,
3: I overall thoughts? Uh, I mean, it, this seemed like more of a glue episode. It wasn't really, you know, we were sort of piecing together puzzle pieces. It's not. It wasn't really like a lot of oh my god moments, just a lot of little just short, short, quick scenes. Laying the groundwork out, letting us know who the
1: players are kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, Introducing this this new, I mean, the, the whole idea, as you said before, where they, I forget what you call it, where they, the ex, uh, explanation episode, right? Yeah, plot like, exposition. Right.
3: It's got to go somewhere. Sorry? Plot exposition's got to go somewhere. Exposition,
1: yeah. Yeah. So it yeah so it's the whole laying out the pieces of who the bad players are um, you know yeah uh, the bad Rom or the bad Romulans and the good Romulans or the not so bad Romulans and yeah yeah like it's interesting because we haven't really talked about how these two um, uh, companions let's call it that are hanging out with uh, Doctor Picard um, you know they they're there to help him with the vineyard and all that kind of stuff but they're also refugees from Romulan right so mm-hmm. and uh, what's what's their role in his life and you know obviously. Um, uh, Zara has trouble. Sorry, Laris has trouble with his uh, his decision to go off and you know travel around the world. And now he should be you know enjoying his elder years, right?
3: Yeah. Was it my imagination, or was her accent kind of all over the place tonight? I okay. kind of get I.
1: Well, with these two uh, actors, I kind of get sort of an English twang to it. She, and, she's um, Irish.
3: I yeah, would, she's got I see, Irish. Right? Says um, cheeky yeah.
2: little feckers is what people yeah. have. No, have she quoted. said "fu." Like,
3: yeah, uh, she, she's, she's, I mean, the, I don't know if it's just the actress or the affectation, but she was definitely mm. using an Irish Lilton there. And yeah, I, but it sort of came and went a few times. It sort of, she was sort of at times doing an American accent and the, at times it felt like the Irish coming through. So it was just, mm. it was a little distracting at times. Yeah. It could be, could be. Yeah.
1: yeah I don't know. I mean, um, I kind of got the impression that these two would, you know, since they've spent so much time developing them, that they would actually come with in, in the mission that's coming where we know is coming. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, well, we don't know for sure that, uh, that we won't get them eventually. Although it does sound like, uh, Laris doesn't seem like she's going anywhere, but she says you can take Zahan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe Zahan will come with them.
2: Yeah. But would say, my, my take was since Zahan says, well, like, you know, I can't just leave her alone. And Picard's like, yeah, you know, the grapes are kind of need you yeah. more than yeah. I do. I, I, I put it together in my head looking for it. I was like, Oh, that's probably how he ends up with that. You know, Eleanor, <laughs> the, the, the space elf, uh, Romulan dude. They probably say, Hey, let's call up this dude that we know to go with you if yeah, we can't okay. go with you and yeah, no, uh, considering no. that they're former Talshiar, I'm guessing that they will play a, a part in a distributed way where Picard and his crew are out in space doing stuff and then these Wait, folks these two, to...
1: are, these two are Tal'Shiar that was the secret police you talked about Is that what you got out of this
2: I could have sworn I'd have to go back and see if they actually mentioned in episode I thought they had made mention to the fact that they were former Talshiar.
3: yeah I, oh, I, okay. I didn't really get that they were necessarily I think they were like aware so they, they may have been connected but I didn't get the impression they were oh,
2: then I'm pulling it from the comic yeah. resource that people have talked about
3: yeah. yeah
1: I think she was talking about the fact that there, the Tal Shiar is out there and, and the Federation knows them as secret police but there's really a super secret police yeah you know this boogeyman kind of yeah. dead people
3: the secret police of the secret police group. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah so yeah I mean interesting good show episode nice lots of weird sort of bouncing around um, yeah like an exposition episode like you said not much, not so much of I mean did it end on a cliffhanger I don't really know we just you know sort of ended on the the, the two Romeo brother and sister talking but uh yeah, kind of just ended right
3: Yeah I will say for uh, it felt like last year the um the one thing discovery really did well in the second season was to sort of leave, leave you on a lot of like cliffhangers and a lot of like oh I want I really want I can't wait to see what happens next this feels like it's sort of um pacing a little differently
2: Yeah yeah it's more contemplative which is why I've, I found it a little bit irritating to see folks online dismiss Picard as being just pew pew pew. Yeah, no, it's pew much pew, more measured. Pew, and like, oh, it's, you know, it's taking a while to get into space. I'm like, it, it can't be both of these.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think we talked about that last week for the uh, the first episode. It felt very, like, measured and paced and, you know, there certainly was some uh, some exciting moments, but it really did feel much more, um, and even this one, even more so, very much like they are sort of slow burning it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kirk would have gone and stolen a ship by now and he would have gotten the whole gang together and, yeah. you know, they They'd, they'd be escaping the shipyard right, but right about now, right? Yeah. Which is a little bit more. I mean, I mean, who didn't know walking into the Federation that they were going to throw him out on his ear, right? You know, this crazy old man plan, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And even the, you know, the to a lesser degree, the receptionist, the young receptionist at the front had no idea who the Tragically Hip are. He's like, "Should I know you? <laughs> like, can I have yeah. your name so I can check you in?"
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a reference to our show yesterday. We were talking about some millennials who didn't even know who Rush or the Tragically hip were working in California and they're from Toronto. Ouch. Ouch, yes. Those young Anyways, So
2: <laughs> Not respect in the past. <laughs> yeah, okay, boomers. Um, Let's move on to the, uh, let's
1: move on to Doctor Who. Doctor on Who? On a lighter note. Yeah. So yeah, we haven't talked much about Doctor Who this season of our, our show. So let's do that now. Um. Yeah, so Jonathan, what did you call it? The Who position? Uh, the the what? The Who's, you sort of like, you were talking about the
3: fugitive Jadun. Oh yes, yes, well the, the, Nuvian, the, the, Nuvian, the, Nuvian, the Nuvian, the Nuvian, the Nude, Doctor Who, Who, Who? Yeah, the Doctor Who. Well, we yeah. will uh, we will definitely have to say spoilers for this one because uh, I think if we we're going to get into it, we're going to get into it. But if you haven't seen uh, Doctor Who season or series twelve, episode five, Fugitive of the Jadoon, yeah. go watch that. Put this on pause. Yeah. Go watch that, and then immediately come back and listen to this because it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, the this was the first episode this season that felt like um, I mean, obvious. The first two episodes they obviously brought back the. Master. So there was mm-hmm. some um, sort of canonical m- stuff that mattered in those episodes. Yep. Um, and then we got a couple episodes that were a little more sort of, you know, just a random adventure kind of stuff. Uh, and this one felt like it was going to be that too. It just felt like it was going to be sort of a, you know, a regular, you know, uh, adventure in time and space. Yep. And, and then quickly it started to sort of get a little deeper and you sort of got a sense of um, gravitas to it. And, uh, and, you know, midway through the episode, we got a cameo or a cameo, I guess a short scene with a very uh familiar face for long time Doctor Who fans. In uh, uh John Barrowman came back as doc- as uh, Captain Jack, Captain Jack, Jack Harkness. Yeah. Um who of course was uh on the show as, as a companion for a few years and There was a whole nother show with of his his crew there. I don't know if you ever knew about that.
1: I forgot the name of it, but Hurchwood. Hurchwood, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
3: Yeah, um so yeah, it was really <laughs> I I I was like I was floored when I saw him. I was just like what's Captain Jack doing back? Like what? That's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought like, well, that, you know, that is like a big moment for the season is that Captain Jack is back and he has these ominous things to say about you know, robot men and, you know, sort of lays yeah. out, sort of plants the seed for where the season might be going. And you're like, wow, mm-hmm. that's a big twist. I mean, we wouldn't have seen that coming. And of course, as the episode continues to play out, um, the mystery of it is that um, the Jadoon have shown up on Earth and basically closed off the city of Gloucester mm-hmm. and are looking for an alien refugee or an alien fugitive um and they're going around they're trying to find it we're we're throwing a few sort of red herrings as to you know who it might be what it might be and what it is they're looking for and uh in the end uh the doctor helps this uh what she thinks is a human woman to sort of escape and um and then the big reveal comes that when you know they go to this lighthouse that the the woman's from or apparently grew up at Mm -hmm. uh the doctor goes into the yard because she picks up an alien signal and starts breaks out a shovel and starts digging and damned if she doesn't dig up a TARDIS right uh at which point we get this you know grand reveal that uh this human woman is not just Gallifreyan she's not yeah, just Gallifreyan yeah. but she's an incarnation of this the doctor yeah. uh either past or future right um and, and since
1: neither one of them know each other that that's that's a real sort of twist in the story because they would normally know one of them would know would remember being the other person
3: Person. Yeah. and, and sort of the canon. The conclusion that uh, our current doctor um, yeah. comes to is that um, that she must be from the past because she doesn't recognize the sonic screwdriver. Right, But then she can't understand why she doesn't have a memory of herself ever being this person.
1: Yeah. Now, Jaime, you may not know this or not, but every doctor does up the inter- insides of the TARDIS in their own signature style, right? So mm-hmm. the style that we have now in, in Jodie Whittaker's um, TARDIS is one thing. And Capaldi had a different one. The style of this TARDIS that this, this new Doctor, this you know other timeline Doctor, Calvin Do- Doctor came <laughs> from, is the original um, set from the very first um, Doctor Who series. Because yeah. there's one point there when Matt Smith and and, um, and David Tennant end up on that same TARDIS, and they go, "Oh, I like the, I love the circles. I miss the circles," kind of thing, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, so so we'll, you know, for the the Whovians out there, they they had a field day with the fact that this was very Very retro is like the original TARDIS sort of inside, right? Yeah.
3: Which, again, leans into the... Uh, supposition that um, the second Doctor, second iteration of the Doctor that we've now met, uh, is from the past. But how she came to be on Earth, how she came to lose her memories of who she was, um, and and why her memories of herself are blocked out, um, make for a really interesting twist midway through uh, this season, and um, could, yeah, I think it definitely makes you want to come back and figure out what's going on.
1: Well, also, and the leader of the Jadun army, is also Gallifreyan.
3: Yes, yeah, uh, which and- is another
1: twist in this. Like, like again, going back to the sort of lore of Doctor Who, is that for a long, the longest time, it was pretty much the Doctor and the Master were the last two sort of Gallifreyans around. Although they've they've brought them back in this new series, and mm-hmm. you know they've gone back to get because they're time travelers. They can obviously go back to Gallifrey before it was destroyed. But uh, you know, in the day of the Doctor, there's a big you know judgment by the Gallifreyans of the of the various Doctors and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's interesting. It's sort of all. All over the place but i guess you know since jj abrams can do this kind of stuff i guess now that's kind of leaked over to the doctor who camp right Where yeah have two spocks in the same scene you know
3: yeah but uh but again also you know not inconsequential i mean obviously jodie whittaker the first uh woman to play the doctor and now uh within a year we've gotten uh a second female doctor and a black woman at that um right. so you know not not without um Impact, you know, this is this is an interesting twist, and and uh, you know, so of course, uh, obviously, Hoovians have kind of went bananas on on uh, the blogosphere on Monday, and we're talking about you know, well, is this a mm-hmm. trick? Is it a ruse or whatever else? And the, the uh, show creators said, no, to be clear, this is the Doctor. This is not some weird, you know, whatever. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll it'll play out how it plays out, but this is the Doctor. Um, right. so they're they're crystal clear on that. Um, they also confirmed. Uh, I noticed um, a couple of days ago that um, in spite of. Uh, a very funny little appearance by John Barrowman as Captain Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not coming back this season, mm-hmm. um, which I think really? is very unusual that he, he basically pops in, uh, accidentally kidnaps the entire entourage, and then uh, basically lays down this this yeah. warning about, uh, you know, beware the lone Cyberman, and then uh, disappears and apparently will not be back this year. So, yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, by the way, um, interesting, just reading this some. which Just there are a bunch of hoovians out there who are shaking their fists at the show right now, Jonathan, because there's a character named the Runaway Bride who Mm -hmm. was played by Catherine Tate, uh, who uh, who played Donna Noble, who was David Tennant's uh, companion for a a bit, maybe a season, um, who became a doctor for an episode. Mm -hmm. So there, she she was actually the first female doctor, and it could be argued that um, what's her name, Alex uh, Kingston's character.
3: Yeah, she was also imbued with power at one point. Um, I yeah i think it's yeah. i think it's splitting hairs i think the the yeah. the truth is that jody whitaker is going to be the doctor for three full series versus you know right. an episode right. here and an episode there again sure if you, you know we were talking about pedantic earlier if you want to be pedantic of course that you can make the those references but it is certainly much more mm-hmm. of note that what we're really talking about is the star of the show you know donna noble right. was always a companion yes, even if she had doctor abilities she was just a companion uh whereas you know right jody whitaker is thus Star of this show for at least three years. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. So take I, was, that. I was Making an <laughs> interesting note about
1: uh, about Donna is that her fiance Lance, was also the locksmith for a company owned by Torchwood. Oh, yeah. Well, there's obviously a lot of. Uh, a lot of doctor who we got to go
3: back and catch up on you know yeah it's it's one of those things too where like, i i really did not watch a lot of doctor who prior to the 2005 revival um but i have mm-hmm. seen every single episode since and i feel like oh, I, okay. I, I have you know well i mean they're on series whatever 13 now uh, or 12 i guess um i feel like i've you know amassed some knowledge of the doctor who stuff but there was mm-hmm. you know 30 years before that that are just completely not in my wheelhouse at all and there are certainly way more knowledgeable Whovians out there on the internet who have deep thoughts yeah. and opinions on this stuff that will um, yeah. shout me into the ground if, if necessary. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I missed a lot of the David Tennant years and the Matt, I think I watched most of Matt Smith, but I, I know there are some, a lot of, I mean, cause it was, it was awkward back in the day cause it was, you know, it was on, I don't know if it was on space TV or, or uh, PBS or whatever, but it was, it was hard to catch unless you were like sitting in front of your television back in the day before we had PBS. VRs and stuff, right? Yeah, well,
3: and you, you kind of talked oh. me in, because uh, I didn't really, wasn't really on board with it, because I had always sort of regarded Doctor Who as sort of some standard sci-fi. Um, mm-hmm. Probably justified. Um, uh, you know, come at me, internet. Um, but the, you had sort of said, you know, I really enjoy the the sort of, you know, Eccleston should actually give it a try, and uh, I think it was when I first got Netflix. I think somewhere in there, Doctor Who was on uh, Netflix, and so I powered through the first, you know, five years or whatever it was at that point, um, and and really got really on board because okay. that yeah. that put me through the Eccleston, through the tenant, and into the beginning, I think, of Matt Smith. And so, I really got a good right, sort of right. run at it all at once over the course of a summer or whatever I watched it. Um, and that really sort of made me sort of get involved in it and sort of follow along from there. Um,
1: yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about a comment that you made last week about, you know, normally, like, there's only been, like, well, no, I guess with uh, Rory and um, Amy Pond, there were two companions. But back in the day, they used to ca- occasionally have two or three companions mm-hmm. running around with the various doctors. It wasn't almost just one companion, right? So
3: Yeah. And uh, again, I don't think the ensemble is a bad thing. Like, the dynamics between those characters, are um occasionally uh some of the best parts of the show but uh as i mentioned last week i, th- I think you know for me i'm not 100% sold on the overall dynamic there and again i think they speak to it on the show where they sort of say the doctors kind of keeping them at arm's reach a little bit and um it just doesn't feel as like i mean it, it's the actors chemistry too and the way that it was written and everything else but i felt like the character the chemistry between uh some of the doctors and their companions in previous shows um, was very very strong especially because some of them were just a one-on-one so they had a lot of time to connect when you have those four you know, three there was to one, sexual four to one, too as well there was absolutely there was, there se- was. yeah but but yeah. also they just it's it's the intimacy right because there was like it's one doctor and one companion you just they have a lot more time to act off each other and feed off each other and right yeah when you have these you know three to one ratios you just don't get like how much time can you say the doctors had specifically with one of those three at a time like it, it, they are sort of getting their turns but it, it's it's looser right it's it's less connected um you know i can't think of a scene off the top of my head that really that where ryan and and the new doctor have had like a real like you know moment you know like it just it's just a different dynamic
1: yeah yeah the two of the two kind of pair up the two younger ones right
3: yeah i, I am loving the yorkshire accents though oh my god i just <laughs> i cannot get enough every time yeah. they all start talking i just i just think it is just, it's one of the best accents in the world it's every time dirty whittaker opens her mouth and uh and the rest of them yeah. jazz and oh my god they just they kill me uh jaime what uh as as the uh the, the newbie whovian what uh, what are your impressions of of this uh this for you i thought this was
2: a fun episode um i've had maybe sort of a rough introduction to dr who so I, I know some of the lore and there's still a lot of questions in my mind it, it actually really feels like if i was uh a fan who was jumping into star Trek picard without really knowing all that much about tng right mm. you're like oh i kind of get some things i kind of have absorbed some of the the cultural stuff that so i'm not completely lost um i thought this episode was fun the the twist of the the two doctors who don't know each other neither one remembers them is kind of interesting i don't i was kind of thinking of a uh kelvin timeline or mirror universe sort of thing that i thought oh maybe there's like a callback to something that's happened in doctor who's history
3: yeah yeah that was where my mind went uh you know of course you'd start to puzzle it out in your mind well what could it be what could it be if they don't remember each other why wouldn't they remember each other? And yeah, immediately my mind went to alternate dimension or some sort of you know sci-fi trope like that. Um, yeah, it's uh it is a good little riddle though. For you know the season, as I say, it, the first couple episodes sort of a little bit of you know uh, drama with the return of the Doctor, and then yeah, I was not blown away by the the most recent episode. Uh, I guess last week with the the Nikola Tesla, um, it was fine, it, but it wasn't anything to knock your socks off. Um, right, yeah. And the one before that, the one with the uh, you know oh the world. It's gonna end if we don't all, you know, get out of, you know. That was a little preachy for my taste. The it was a little heavy-handed on the, the like, hotel one, yeah. The not so subtle, you know, if you don't take care of the planet, this is what you're all gonna look like, you know, is a little, a little, a little much. But, um, but yeah, again, it came back strong with this one, so it'll be interesting to see where they go from here.
1: Very sure, cool. All should we move into the watch list? Mm. So mine are, mine are pretty simple. Um, Altered Carbon's coming out season two. I enjoyed the first kick at Altered Carbon. So I'm kind of looking forward to. I like the old Hinneman or whatever his name is. I like his his work. Um, so we'll see where this one goes. Um, when does that start? I can't Remember? Did they not, didn't they not wrap that one up with a bow at the end of that episode? At the end of that first season?
3: Yeah, it could have it could have died from there if they wanted it yeah. to. Never need to come back. Yeah.
1: So we'll, we'll have to see. What, just you know, in terms of anticipation, we'll have to see what that is. Um, the other thing too is since I'm you know I didn't live and die by the next generation of Star Trek. I went back and watched. A measure of Anne, um which we talked about last week and this week a bit, um, to find it a little bit more about Bruce Maddox because I'm kind of got my gut tells me he's going to be the you know the trope of the guy who was you know had the wonderful idea and was turned down and the Federation turned against him and now he's going to go off and into his evil lair and stew for a few years and come back you know and be the, the nasty piece of work that sort of you know like almost like a master in a sense um, you know a, a Grouchy, grumbly—you know—seeking revenge kind of guy. I like the like the character in The Incredibles, you know, mm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the main the main arch enemy guy. There, sort of, you know. Um, the, although the, the, this twist with the Romulans today, um, kind of puts it all in the political, you know, the, you got the corporate side with the federation on one side, one side doing what's good for the, for the, the shareholders. You've got the Romulans who are like trying, you know, the, the Tony Sopranos of the world. They're trying to undermine, you know, whatever. They're trying to run within the system. Um, Controlled universe, as it were, and mm-hmm. then you're going to have this this character that's going to come out of the woodwork at the the last minute, um, and you know that that uh, be the big uh, big bad guy. So but it was interesting to watch the show go back and see the logic behind you know how Picard and, and Riker has to Riker has to defend or sorry Riker has to prosecute and, yep. and Picard has to defend and and uh, how quickly Maddox kind of backs off at the end there too, which is kind of surprising you know considering that they're now sort of almost building a show around him.
3: Yep. and there was that later it. episode too where uh, Data is recording the events of his day as a message mm-hmm. to Maddox too. So there is that oh, sort is of, okay. yeah, there's there's one more episode where Maddox is referenced where um, right. he basically says like, you know, you've been asking me for more information on sort of how I'm living my life as a as a synthetic person and so he, he narrates mm-hmm. the episode as, you know, he goes through his day um, right. to Commander Maddox, which is interesting. Right, right. Yeah, well,
1: I mean again, the, you mentioned that in the show last week and I sort of caught it and but I had, uh, you know, since we've got, you know, all the Star Trek on the Netflix and the Hulu mm. and whatever, so we can go back and watch these. So, and I, I really enjoyed watching it without commercials. I found that really good. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, it's on Space TV. Like, I watch the different episodes every now and then. But uh, uh, I have to remind myself that I don't have to watch commercials to <laughs> watch this stuff. So Yeah. Uh, the last one is that uh, we haven't really talked about this very much, but it just kind of showed up on, on HBO. I noticed it last week and didn't mention it. But, um, again, I just saw another commercial for it. I was looking at the IMDb app. Um, and a quick commercial for Avenue Five, which is sort of, I guess, uh, HBO's version of the Orville, if you will. It's kind of, it kind of looks a little bit like um, the spaceship in Wally. Yes, uh, that's you
3: know? very much. I, I did watch the first episode of this. Oh, did you watch it? Yeah, I did, yeah, um, and it, it is much more like that. The idea is that basically, it's a uh, cruise ship that goes to the solar system, and uh, very quickly in the first episode, uh, it gets knocked off course, and it's supposed to be away for you know a few weeks or six weeks or something like that and it gets knocked off course and the expectation is because they've been knocked off course it's going to take them years to get home so it's Um, like gilligan's island meets lost in space meets voyager right like it's so but again the idea is that they're just they're on they're on they're staying in the solar system but they're taking a much more wide elliptical path around the sun and back um so they were supposed to i guess slingshot around a planet and get the gravity well to pull it in and then zip them back towards earth but now they're knocked off course and and it's supposed to take them three years to get home. Um, I was interested because, again, I like a lot of the people in the cast. Um, there's a couple of people who were on Silicon Valley who were on it. Um, Hugh Laurie is the star. Um, and Josh Gad, uh, um, who is Olaf from Frozen. He's, uh, again, he was with the lead actor from uh, Book of Mormon. Um, I, I was sort of intrigued by it. Um, but I will say, you know, for what it's worth, if you want to check it out, go ahead. I don't know that I will continue on it. It was not funny enough to right, be funny. Yeah. I think I might just yeah. yeah maybe maybe wait till the entire run is done and then you can sit down and sort of power through like the first three in a row and sort of see. Um, I watched the first one. It's only a like, it's a you know half hour show. It's a pretty breezy watch, but it certainly was not enough for me to think I really care about it. Hugh Laurie is always a charming and, yeah. and delightful person, but I really was not um, was not sucked in by it at all. I was I was honestly hoping it would either be uh, funnier just because I thought like same thing. I thought like oh that's a little overly. Maybe it'll be like a funny sort of space run. Kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. and Laurie again is a brilliant comedic actor. He just he hasn't done that as much the last few years. But um, yeah. I thought, oh yeah, they'll, maybe they'll let Hugh Laurie loose. It's HBO, like who knows? And maybe they still will. But it, it was a little bit more, um, Safe, yeah, yeah. It just it it just didn't click. There was just was not a lot of chemistry, and it just didn't didn't do anything for me off the hop. Though.
1: Well, there's been a lot of shows like that lately. I think I think now that we've got so much TV to choose from, that you can be a little selective about whether or not you continue with the show. I mean, like I can't tell. I mean, I, I don't watch the Working that anymore because it's just become the same thing over and over again. Um, You know, oh, it's a different you know murder porn. This one's this one's takes place on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, You know, and and the same thing with this. Like, and and to be honest, if I never had to watch another episode of The Orville again, I I wouldn't mind. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, So yeah, and and I get this sort of impression that this was kind of the sort of thing. So it sort of seems like an also ran kind of show, but um,
3: yeah, I would say that if you're looking for something to keep you busy, I would say you're definitely better off going with uh, Watchmen or lost in space or uh, right, you know clone yeah. wars is coming back or catch up on rebels or you know like there's there's so much good tv right like we're in a really beautiful era where especially if you have a few bucks or say for example your uh, family members have subscriptions to services that you share um there's just so much material to watch that you don't have yeah. to watch bad tv you just don't like yeah it'll sort itself out
1: all right so what do you got there jonathan
3: i got this one now i saw part of this this week and uh, it is, it it is genius so um there is this youtube video online it's called toy story 3 irl and mm-hmm. it was a project by two teenage boys who decided to do a shot for shot remake of Toy Story Three using the toys and uh, right. and actual actors and real sets. It is and so they actually use the actual voices from the movie. Right. So when you hear you hear Tom Hanks and, Tom Al- and Tim Allen and everybody else playing all the parts, but they did a shot for shot remake of this using all the toys, including you know the, I don't know if you guys remember Toy Story Three. The beginning of the movie starts with um, them uh, living a very dynamic version of one of the adventures that uh, Andy has them has them do at the beginning of uh the original toy story mm -hmm. um or toy story 2 i guess um it's it's amazing it's really really well done apparently took them like years and years to do yeah three Um, years yeah they were on cbc the other day um and it's just great it's really really fun i highly recommend even if you just pop you know watch a few different scenes obviously it's like it's shot for shot beginning to end it's the whole damn movie um but if you take before disney takes it down right yeah well that's i think you know a lot of people are sort of of that sentiment that like you know. maybe they will maybe they won't maybe they'll be good good sports about it because it is uh very much done with love like this is not taking the the piss out of anything this is very much by people who love this stuff and decided to really you know have some uh have have it a good time with this and it's great it's really fun go through it again just skip around a few scenes anything you remember from the movie it's really really fun I highly recommend checking this out um yeah hmm. very very cool um other thing I will just quickly tack on our our watch list uh in the one week that we've been off, uh, since last episode, I did power through all of, uh, HBO's Watchmen. Um, I will also put that one very high on the recommendation list. Um, it came highly recommended. It is everything that's advertised. I was very much a little, um, leery going in because, um, having had an opportunity to speak with Alan Moore in the past and, and to, uh, being such a big fan of that book and knowing that he didn't really want people to mess around with that world. I was a little bit, um, leary but uh damon lindelof of course uh, is the the showrunner on this and the writer and um he's obviously behind lost um it's great it's really really good it takes if you if you've seen the film or you've read the book um it it basically imagines if those events happened in the 1980s uh, what would the world like be in 2019 you know all that time after the events of that movie what oh, wait, would the world okay. be like what would the politics be like what would the superhero situation be like uh and it's brilliant that the performances are wonderful uh, regina king is, is absolutely captivating as the star um you know some really really excellent performances lewis gossett jr has a really great role at 83 years old and he is just as captivating now as he was when he won oscars 30 years ago um it's it's really good i again i i was not thinking i would enjoy it as much as i did but yeah it is really good tv now we talked about last week how there there sounds like there isn't going to be a season two and i'm a little heartbroken because it's, it's really good
1: okay cool
2: which brings us back to Measure of Man, by I me. Mean. Yeah, watch uh, watch Tim's pick first, and then watch this analysis of it by uh, Legal Eagle, the channel on YouTube, where a real lawyer reacts to the, um, the lawyering and courtroom scene stuff and how that goes.
1: It's, it's- TLDR, just they're completely wrong and is not a human or whatever? Uh,
2: I forget what the rating was. I think it was a passing grade. Um, I've certainly, I, I've watched his channel before. There's other shows um, that do way better and there are other shows that do way worse so this one's sort of middle of the road with regard to you know would this work from a uh quote-unquote real world legal uh, aspect granted he's talking about it from like an american lawyer and i forget which which states he has um uh a legal right to to represent himself as a lawyer that's not exactly the same as being in the 24th century and uh in a multi uh interstellar sort of society but it's still fun to to take a look at.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I found it interesting that in the measure of a man that, you know, they could just in a sort of corporate, you know, heavy-handed Starfleet kind of way, you know, I'm transferring you from one one ship to another and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, You know, you can't quit. You can't go anywhere. It's kind of like those are your orders. And that's kind of the setup for, you know, data being deconstructed is that, you know, he's been transferred and Picard can't do anything about it. And, you know, the the JAG officer, um, you know, Representative, she says that you know she can't do anything about it. You know, uh, which is different than how you would think things would go in a society that far advanced, right? You'd think that uh, there would be some some recourse, but yeah, uh, interesting to see what this lawyer has to say about it. Alrighty, so I guess that's it for another week. So hey, hi if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the hair. Alrighty, and Jonathan, people can get in touch with you.
3: I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. Alrighty, then,
1: and my name is Timitra. I am. T- T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine, and that's where you'll find me. So until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye.
2: Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha.
3: in for uh keep your eyes peeled folks the spockies oh, are coming
1: yes the Spockies are coming. Our second annual third Spocky annual, Awards. Third
3: annual. Third Did we do? Did we, we do? We did. We did. We did it th- three times. This will be our third annual Spocky Awards. Wow. Yeah. Who won? Who won the first
1: two years? I can't remember. Uh
3: you know what? I don't have it here in front of me. I do See? have it. Uh, I do have a file folder with it, but I don't have it uh, at my really? fingertips. Really? Yep. Mm. We can. We can do a little recap for what it's worth. The we, Spockies. We, well, How yeah. about
1: that? We'll have to start a Spockies um, blog or. something. Something.
3: Yeah. Facebook page. We'll get a Facebook page going. Well, no, Spock. we can do it
1: on, on the, our website. We have, a, there you go. we have a, we have a website. We have spotcast.com, which you should link to. Indeed. Or your uh, viewing pleasure mm-hmm. and listening pleasure.
3: Yep. Yes. Lots of good stuff to choose from this year. We're, we're going to dive back into uh, best picture, best TV show. We're going to look at mm-hmm. uh, best News show, of course, best actor and best actress. And one of my favorite categories is always most anticipated movie of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the most anticipated movie of 2019 was uh uh, Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker, and not uh-huh. in fact Avengers: Endgame. So maybe, right. maybe our uh, voting audience missed that, but missed that boat a little bit. But yeah, um, but yeah, lots did, we of, have,
1: did we have people besides us, besides, us? besides us vote? I can't remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we did, eh? Yeah, Maybe we like put a Google poll or something? Like that I, think I, did, I think we did. I think we
3: did it up on Facebook and a few different places. And okay, some responses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll throw it up on our socials, and we'll uh, we'll badger all of our uh, friends and acquaintances to get on board.
1: And yeah. uh, curious let's see did anybody reply to my tweet that i sent out the other day well i what? did for what it's worth did you I did. I did i didn't see you uh make a comment there me hmm.
3: i don't think i commented i think i just uh i just uh retweeted it retweeted it wait where is it uh hi can we talk about the seattle kraken for a second here it's it's like they're channeling me yeah it
2: is <laughs> close enough the, the 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 ruling on the field is that this is close enough given that krakens do tend to be featured in fiction and
3: and how do you feel about but Kraken as a team name for
2: I actually prefer um, uh, what are the other ones that I had seen like Yeti as an option at, at some point I don't know if it made it to the down selected list uh, Kraken works fine for me I think it's got some some good um, things you can do with that you can go in you know, like a Cthulhu theme you can have <laughs> you know. Octopi and squids and other things that can be, you know, sold at the, the arena. And the one that came to my attention as people were discussing this in Seattle channels that I hadn't even considered is that you could call the fans crackheads. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that, that, that kind of seems, I mean, you, you know, just imagine like, um, so Green Bay Packers fans in the NFL were wearing these big obnoxious wedge shaped uh, cheese heads, mm-hmm. right? These foam ones. And if you just did that, but with like, you know, tendrils coming off the the, the top of it, like that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. So I, I hadn't really voted for it. I kind of preferred Yeti myself uh, sort of thematically in the Pacific Northwest, but I could be convinced if that ends up being the real name.
3: <laughs> the uh, the Seattle Times did a poll last year. I just looked this up. And uh, the, they said, you know, hey, what do you think the nickname for the, the NHL team should be? Uh, Eyes was the winner, uh, defeating Totems. Uh, Kraken was fifth behind Metropolitan and steelheads. So those are the five uh, finalists, according to the Seattle Times poll. Hmm. Sockeyes? Sockeye salmon,
2: steelhead are uh, salmon.
3: You don't have to tell me, man. The Mississauga junior team is the Mississauga steelheads, the big angry fish on the front of their jersey. Nice. And uh, yeah, totems, kraken, and metropolitans. Of course, metropolitans is the classic name. That was the name of the uh, former NHL team there 100 years ago that actually won the Stanley Cup. Seattle, Seattle, metropolitans. Metropolitans. Wow. When it was a challenge cup, way to say back when, uh, the team does has said for the record that uh, that there has been no decision made, they are not willing to commit to um, the fact that the, the, the Kraken is the name, but it has been making the rounds. That, um, uh, yeah, I again, I think for the visuals, like, think of the jersey possibilities, that's fantastic, like, way better than an angry fish,
2: yeah. And I do think we could have some fun with the mascot, right? Kind yeah, of like
3: gritty. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm down, I'll be my favorite West Coast team as soon as they start. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, except when Toronto's playing them, right? Absolutely. Never root against the Leafs.
1: <laughs> heard. <laughs> he bleeds blue if you cut him. Yep, in the blood. Can't live here and not have it in
3: the what blood. What color
2: will the Seattle Kraken be? Good question. I don't know if they've shown any color options, but the vast majority of teams in the Seattle area tend to choose some variant on green and some variant mm-hmm. on blue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the XFL that is starting up soon, the Seattle Dragons, are one of the few teams that don't follow this i think it's blue and orange i want to say are their primary colors
3: yeah three of our Toronto teams are blue and uh, and one of them is uh well it was purple but now it's uh it's tends to be red and, and uh, white and raptors of course they can the do trotto... whatever the, they can do whatever the heck they want because they won the championship so
1: right <laughs> um, isn't the uh, isn't the what do you call the um the soccer team the tfa oh tfc red, you're
3: right tfc is ready yeah i always I, you'll forgive me for uh, they actually are probably i guess in a more contemporary temporary League than the um, mm-hmm. the football team, which plays in the Canadian League. The Argonauts are are blue, um, and but of course we also have the, the Maple Leafs, the Blue Jays, and uh, even the Marlies are a pretty popular franchise here in town. That's the uh, American League team, and they're also blue. So yeah, we sort of got I guess four blues in that. I don't know what color the uh, we have a um, first division rugby side now too. We have the Wolfpack. I think they're black and white. Hmm. Yep. Yep.
1: All right. Yeah, I think it's time to call it
2: a call it a cast. Yep. All right ready till next time did, did you guys ever get a chance to see the ready room stuff they show it on all access I, yeah i
1: watched it uh, you sent a link and I, I i used a
2: vpn tool to watch it. i cannot believe that that stupid thing was uh, segregated by um,
3: yeah. by
2: yeah, region yeah. i'm yeah.
3: surprised it's funny because you know they did go to the point of having um you know it, it this early release on crave and everything else i don't know why they wouldn't just put it on there like it seems like if you're trying yeah. to get eyes on your platform why wouldn't you but i, I guess it never occurred to them to do that
1: yeah what really bugs me is a well-written scene of of Episodes already. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Supposedly damn it, a fair damn number of the three. Yeah. At least the first three, I Shut think, up, is what Wesley, a lot of the, yes. the media got. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. All right.
1: All right. Well, I'll talk to you as later.
3: Yep. See you next talk week, right guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.